Welcome to the Legendarium. Anybody with an internet connection and a keyboard has a job in that sense, but... Yeah, Yeah, he makes more money than you do, Ken. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to the Legendarium Podcast. I am Craig Hanks, and with me is my motley crew... Uh, well, I'd say he's a smartass, but uh, he's just not that smart. It's Kyle Lemon. That's hurtful. I know. I know. <laughs> That's what I'm going for here. And he's as useless as Helen Keller's drum set. It's Ken Johnson. Hey, but if we're going to be Motley Crue, I dibs being Nikki Six. <laughs> so, By the way, you know, you know this is going to be a good episode when I start with the Helen Keller jokes. <laughs> like, there's nowhere to go but up from here. That but was, you won't see it coming. It was pathetic. Uh, and he's a bit like Rapunzel, except that instead of letting his hair down, he's let down everybody in his life. It's Ryan Bruckman. And the hair on my toes is just long enough to be braided and hung out of a tower. It's true. It's true. Longtime listeners, they, well, they may not know by sight, but they know by reputation at this point just how nasty your feet are. My hobbit feet. Oh my gosh, they're awful. All right, well. And he's wearing sandals. Today we are talking movies. Now, this is a disappointment to those who were hoping for the next Wheel of Time episode. And to them, I say... The wheel weaves as the wheel wills. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Kyle read my mind. The wheel the, the wheel weaves as the wheel wills. Whiskey. <laughs> Why are you saying it that way? All right. So today is not a Wheel of Time episode, but uh, we were just talking about that before we fired up the microphones. And we will be back next week with... Book nine, Winter's Heart. Uh, so we'll get the first discussion on that rolling next week. Um, eh, let's see, what other housekeeping do we have? Obviously, you need to go to thelegendarium.reddit.com and join the conversation there. We just got a post there, a photo of six people who all got um, the same cult tattoo on their wrists. It's a sort of uh, it's a sort of Mickey Mouse wheel design. With a snake eating its own tail. I don't really know anything about it, but Kyle might. But it's very Mickey Mouse. Yeah. I have the same one on my lower back, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so yes, thelegendarium.reddit.com, and that's where we post the conversations for all these episodes. After we air the episode, you can go and, and voice your displeasure at all of our comments, and I love hearing about those. And the other thing I'll mention, of course, is patreon.com slash legendarium. I'm very, very excited. We've had a few uh, extremely generous patrons come in in the last week or two, and we're getting very close to our second goal. And once we get to $150 per episode, uh, then all the guys who show up start to get uh, some sort of uh, compensation. Not It's not really compensation so much as it is a little stipend to uh, make sure that they don't, you know, they're, they're not financially burdened by having to buy all the books and go to the movies and whatnot. He pays um, for our cab fare. There you go. So anyway, you will be helping all of us out uh, if we just get a few more bucks going at patreon.com slash legendarium. We very much appreciate your support, and uh, basically you'll be buying books for us, and we'll be reading them and discussing them with you, so... It's all just a giant back-scratching party, really. Uh, all right, so let's get started and talk about the movie at hand. Last night, the four of us all went and saw Spider-Man Homecoming, 
And uh, as far as I could tell, when we came out of the theater, we all enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, but I, I thought we might talk about why, and also if there's any reasons why not. Um, but let's start with Ken, because I want to hear an original thought out of him. So Ken, oh, give me your first thought out of uh, Spider-Man. What would you think? Did you my, enjoy it? My first thought was, man, I miss Tobey Maguire. Really? No. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> I thought Tom Holland was perfect. He is he he is Spider-Man. It, it, it's just another example of Kevin Feige and Marvel's golden touch. I mean, everything they touch, they, they have the Midas touch. Everything they touch turns That's to gold. That's just I mean, not took, true. That's just not true. It's not. It's not. Stop true. being a fanboy. All right, it's a, it's a little hyperbole. It is entirely true. With the amount of money they bring on well, this, okay, that fine. is that it is, is a golden it's, touch. It, it is a little hyperbole. They could touch they a have had a turd of... blossom, and it would be <laughs> yeah. worth more. They they've had a couple of stinkers, but the fact of the matter is, um, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man ran its course, and it was awful by the end. The Andrew Garfield Spider-Man never lived up to its. And then those were all Marvel, or those were all Sony vehicles. Marvel gets his hand on this thing, and now all of a sudden it's integrated in this larger universe. And Spider-Man, he plays younger. He, he's uh, they they uh, get rid of the origins. Well, they don't get rid of the origin story, but they leave the origin part out and just focus on the story, which is great. I mean, this this thing it drives fast. It's funny. It's lighthearted, but it's not completely lighthearted. There are several moments of of real emotion in it. I, this movie is outstanding. Okay, Kyle, what'd you think? Um, for the most part, I enjoyed it. I had my problems with it. I'll okay. agree with Ken saying that I think Tom Holland is the best Spider-Man. I think he's the best Peter Parker, and he's the best mesh of the two. I think Toby Toby Maguire was a pretty good Peter Parker and a terrible Spider-Man. And I think that Andrew Garfield was a really bad Peter Parker and pretty good Spider-Man. Okay. Because yeah. they're two different personalities. When he's Peter Parker form, he's the nerd, reserved kind of unsure of himself. Tobey Maguire, I thought, did really well that on that part, but then couldn't do the sarcastic, witty, kind of whimsical Spider-Man persona that he is when he puts the mask on with all of the funny quips and stuff like that. And I thought Andrew Garfield would do that a lot better, but I think Tom Holland has kind of meshed the two together to be the most... Um, cohesive version of that. So I really enjoyed that. I feel like there was a lot of really good performances in this movie. Yeah. Um, Michael Keaton. uh, Oh, yeah. We'll get to Michael Keaton. We'll get to Tom Holland. You know, Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man, so it's always there. But there is a lot to enjoy in this movie. And I came out of it liking it. Um, I didn't love it. Okay. All right. Ryan, thoughts? Uh, this is a fantastic preparation movie for the next series of Marvel films. It is standing on its own. Um, it's a pretty good film. It's enjoyable. It is uh, great, you know, two hours in the theater. Um, and it's everything that's been said so far in terms of Tom Holland as, as a, you know, being arguably the best Spider-Man slash Peter Parker yeah. combo there. Um but really, as I came out of it, I went, okay, that is, they're doing with this what they did when they started with Iron Man. They're setting a new foundation for people to go with because the movie just felt just a titch different. The cookie cutter, they just got shifted a little bit enough to feel different mm-hmm. from the other films. Um, I felt very similar watching it to when I watched Guardians of the Galaxy the first time. Like, I recognized it, but it felt different. 
and I feel they're doing the same thing with Spider-Man so that they can set up for everything coming in the future because that's going to be the main franchise of the next generation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. That's a, it's an interesting insight because, uh, and you were telling me this not too long ago that there are some main characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe who are due to die, right? Yeah. Um, some of our main characters, the Iron Man. Captain America, That's, Hulk, maybe I don't know. You can go look up. But, there's a there's a whole bunch of what are called killability ratings right now on the Avengers. <laughs> yeah. um, who can they kill off in Infinity War? Um, and right now there's like three or four of them that are all up in the 90 percentile or higher. And Iron Man and Captain America are both at like 98 percent have to die. <laughs> <laughs> and is that so? Is that just to keep the franchise fresh, or does that have something to do with uh, storytelling per se? Well, I think it's a couple. If I yep, didn't mean to step on you, but I, I think there, if you're I wrong, think, I'll, I'll cut you off. Oh, no, I won't be wrong. I mean, you might cut me off. But I, I think there are there are a couple of of uh, reasons for it. One is is oh, I regret this word freshness. I awful word. But it, it's keep, freshicity. Freshnessity. <laughs> Continue with the thoughts. Yeah. One one is keeping it fresh, bringing in new characters, bringing new life into the franchise. But the other one is. And this is where movies suffer, where comic books don't, is, is characters in comic books can just go on in perpetuity because a new writer comes in and it's all on the printed page. Here, actors get older, characters get older, and they just get tired of doing this. And we know that Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans, uh, in particular, are kind of done with being Tony Stark and Steve Rogers. I mean, so... From a Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans standpoint, they're really ready to be killed off, and um, those two combined, I mean, their killability rating is going to be really high. Chris Evans backtracked on it, saying that if Marvel would be willing to have him, he would still be interested in continuing with Captain I think, America. I think Robert Downey said the same thing recently. Um, I think it's it's really easy real to say is, that when you're sleeping on piles. Of well, yeah, the Marvel real problem movie. is is from Marvel's angle, if they keep Tony Stark around any longer as presently constituted, they're going to be paying a billion dollars to Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> right. every time they make a movie because that guy's agent is a freaking genius. Well, I, think, oh, yeah. I think part of the reason that Robert Downey Jr. said it, though, is because he, he said it pretty much after Iron Man 3 or right around Iron Man 3 where he was also trying to go out and, and be the main vehicle in some other projects that didn't do so well, and so he came back to realizing Marvel's the one that gave me my big you know, resurgence that now is paying me a whole lot of money. So, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to still be Iron Man for a little while longer. But they really, I think, going back to Spider-Man, it feels like they've really set this movie up for Spider-Man to be the the standard bearer going forward. It, sports analogy, because that's what I do. I, it's like the old seasoned veteran on the basketball team who's been here, you know, a dozen years, and now the rookie, the, the the new blood comes in. So the veteran steps back, maybe takes a spot on the bench, and just mentors the, the rookie through the first couple of years of his career, and then he retires, and the rookie takes over and leads the team on forward. And that's the, what it feels like. Iron Man is the is the seasoned veteran who's kind of... Oh, I was confused about you know, your analogy, Ken. Thank you that's for because explaining you know sports. it. Well, and I want to talk just briefly to the... That is why Tom Holland is one of the best choices that they could have made for Spider-Man doing that right now. Because in this five-movie arc that they've been discussing for Spider-Man going forward, the problem you have with Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield with that setup here, they're already kind of at that age or where they're already not... They're barely believable as high schoolers. But with Tom Holland, like, he's already in that... He's at the, at the young Peter Parker stage, 
And as he grows up as an, and becomes an adult and actually, be, you know, gets there, we can have Spider-Man progress with him in his natural timeline. Yeah. You can't do that if you hire a 26-year-old actor or something to do that. You know, Tom Holland can naturally grow and we can go, hey, Spider-Man follows the natural timeline of human evolution. Here. Absolutely. As I watched this movie, I am not convinced of Tom Holland as a... Not, not as a carrier of the Spider-Man franchise, but as the standard bearer of the MCU in its entirety. We're talking about him being kind of like the new Tony Stark, and I just don't buy that. I think he's a fantastic Spider-Man, mm -hmm. definitely the best of the three. Killed it in this movie. Absolutely wonderful. I don't see him having the screen presence or the gravitas to pull off a Chris Evans or a, a Robert Downey Jr., situation right I, I, I don't yeah, i don't think he can do it. i agree but there well is, yeah. but no 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 because look the guy's 21 years old well when yeah. he filmed he, he was 21 no, years old 21, 21 now. now he was 19 when they filmed okay and he's supposed to be 15 in the movie so i guess i just um he's he's a little dude he's a young looking guy i don't see him like aging and getting kind of like uh world weary quickly sure. enough to fill those kind of shoes. But maybe that, I mean, maybe that changes. He's... And, that's, anyway, and, that is a, and that's defining that the leader has to be this box A that fits these qualities. Well, that's fine. You can say that they want to reinvent the whole thing, and that's fine because this uh, this movie is definitely different. It's uh, described, I, I heard it described as a, a cross between a comic book movie and a John Hughes 80s teenage movie, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah. like, yeah, so it's different. I get that. But uh, if Marvel tries to shift things to that for their entire uh, MCU uh, and make it a John Hughes teenage movie, I don't think that would be a smart play. I think that no. there's there are time-honored uh, ways in which to establish a franchise, and you go you go the Indiana Jones route, right? And that's that's what you did with Iron Man. You took a guy who was frankly middle-aged. Uh, but who was still um, rough and tumble and good looking and all this stuff and was able to carry off that the, the physical work necessary. But he was mature, I guess is the better word for it. You have a mature hero to um, you know to, to hold up your tentpole franchise. Sure. And I, I get that. And so I guess what I'm saying, okay. here's what I'm saying is that uh, I think Spider-Man has a wonderful place in the future of the MCU. I don't see him being the new Tony Stark. It could be somebody else. It could be even Chris Pratt. Um, you know, when everybody gets together and... Uh, who knows? Something like that. I'm curious if it's going to be Brie Larson in Captain Marvel. She could, yep. be, she yeah. could be my captain. Well, you have to look at... And this, you were talking earlier, like, you don't want to get into speculation. Now we're going to get, this is where we get into speculation. All this other stuff is kind of stuff that's been yeah, established. I feel like we know we're going, this is the direction that they're going and that this is what they're setting up. But the the idea is, especially for this, you look at who is going to be the next generation of heroes mm -hmm. and where Spider-Man fits with that group. Right. And he fits that role for that group. And I actually have... I am not concerned at all about Tom Holland's ability to, to carry that off because he's not supposed to yet. Um, if you look at the kid's history and what he's already done, like it's pretty impressive what he's able to what he's able to do and pull yeah. off. No, um, like I said, I liked him a lot. I'm happy to be proven wrong. I just 
um, I, I, I didn't see it yet in this movie. So I, I will support your uh, your comment that it feels like a John Hughes movie, and and I think that's good. I mean, for two reasons. One, it it's the it's the teen movie of the Marvel Universe. Every every movie it seems like has its own thing. I mean, Winter Soldier was the spy movie. Guardians of the Galaxy was the 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 buddy humor movie. You know, this was this was the youthful. John Hughes movie, for lack of a better term, of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Black Panther's going to be the rom-com. And it's going <laughs> to... <laughs> we can only but, hope. But the universe has already been established, so it's not up to Spider-Man Homecoming to set the stage for the world, the universe going forward. It's just, it's a responsibility to plug into that un- larger universe, and I think they can drive that ship. I mean, it'll be interesting okay, so, speculation over. Um, so there's this horse that we've been beating to death, and I'd like to leave it on the side of the road now uh, and move on. Uh, all in favor? Aye. Okay. Uh, let's talk about what you guys think of the superhero movie genre, period, and whether you're sick of it, whether you want it to continue... Uh, if you think it will continue, what um, what role it will play going forward, and if you need any brain juice, I've got some for you. Because <laughs> after uh, after we saw this last night, I went and looked up a couple of uh, of reviews. There, uh, so I've I've read one review that I thought was pretty in line with how I thought about the movie, and then one review that made me bleed out my eyeballs. <laughs> It was so awful, and I'll just give you a taste of, this is the opening paragraph, and I understand when you're writing an article you want the opening paragraph to be strong, but come on. Uh, Okay, this reviewer says, uh, let's see, Spider-Man Homecoming is such a blatantly calculated example of pop culture inoculation that maybe it warrants the same wariness as the vaccination controversy. With movies such as Spider-Man Homecoming, Hollywood injects banality into young and gullible viewers. It places them on a cultural version of the autism spectrum. What the literal hell? <laughs> this guy hates comic book movies, oh I'm guessing. He is, so he, he thinks... So this guy thinks that... That comic book movies are dulling our intellect and our ability to feel emotions through film. Respond. Well, clearly he has a job, so, you know, it's worked so far. Yeah, anybody with an interconnect, internet connection and a keyboard has a job in that sense, but... Uh, yeah, he makes more money than you do, Ken. This guy, who is this guy? Armand White. No, uh, I, I, I don't really know how to respond to Um... I, I look at it the same way as he's put here's the vaccination deal. Wow, really? Like, I to say that it's deteriorating people. People have been saying that about television, media, <laughs> like everything for years. Yeah, guess what? It's true and it's also not true. Yeah. I don't under. I, I it's responding to it seems to validate the idiocy of it. I guess. I guess I just like you said. This is something that uh, people have been saying about pop culture forever right and because of that i feel like it's worthy to respond uh, when somebody comes up and and brings this argument up again uh it's it's fine to respond because i think it's valuable for people like us and i'm sure many of our listeners who love these movies and really enjoy uh you know laying down 10 bucks for a ticket and picking up the popcorn and enjoying a good two-hour solid marvel movie you know we we know it's 
probably not going to, uh, it's not going to be around in 2,000 years. People aren't going to be talking about Spider-Man. But, hey, it's great entertainment now, right? What's wrong with that? Um, Yeah, I I guess it, it reminds me of kind of the way I think about fantasy literature, which is kind of our bread and butter, mm-hmm. which is, you know what, this is great great entertainment, and you can take it and leave it at that. Uh, you can hate it if you want to, but if you invest a little bit of time and a little bit of uh, intellectual energy into it, you can actually get something out of this. Yeah, and exactly. And I think the same thing is probably true of Marvel movies. Kyle? Yeah, for the most part. Um, I'll be honest. Depending on the Marvel movie. Depending on the Marvel movie, I'll be honest. <laughs> you get nothing from Dark World. I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting a little bit of fatigue because mm-hmm. I feel like they are taking that cookie cutter formula and just spitting it back out with a new hero in a different super suit. Um, that's what I felt. I think the way that I could sum up Spider-Man: Homecoming is I think that it would have been a fantastic film. In Phase 2, I feel like it's an okay film in Phase 3. Um, because there's so many... Now, what do you mean by that? So, we've just seen this play out so many different times. I mean, as much as I love Michael Keaton's performance as the villain in this movie, it's just another generic vill- Marvel villain where it's like... Really? Oh, oh yeah. 100% so. Finds the... And my other question is, is why is everybody a tech genius in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> yeah. It just makes zero man sense. Man behind the screen. Man, man, yeah. man in the chair. Man in the chair, or random villain sidekick that can build all of these alien super weapons out of... He's like a, a salvager, and all of a sudden he can build alien super weapons because they find this <clears throat> power source. Anyways, I feel like the Vulture is basically another version of Warmonger, or Whiplash, or any other generic Iron Man villain. It's, we found a power source that apparently we understand because we can harness it for some reason, and I've built this super suit, and all of a sudden, I'm this badass. Um, Michael Keaton's portrayal of the character was fantastic. I feel like it was very cookie-cutter. See, here's why I really liked the character, personally. that We have this tendency when we talk about... Um, uh, when we talk about superhero movies especially, uh, we talk about not being able to take a step back. Like, oh my gosh, where are they going to go from here? It was, you know, Avengers was so big, and what are they going to do? Well, they come out with Avengers 2, and they lift this city into the sky and drop it down. Like, you know, what are you going to do? How are you going to top that? And uh, and I feel like they did a great thing with his character, Tombs, in taking a step back and making that okay. The universe isn't in peril. The planet isn't in peril. The city isn't even in peril. All it is is this guy who is uh, running arms, and he happens to be doing that with alien tech, and Spider-Man wants to stop him. I like that they they shrunk the villain down to human proportions. Okay. No, I mean, I, I, I can agree with that to an extent, but I guess my question is, what were the stakes in this movie? What, what was I, that? Stake? I just I just told you. I was gonna say, aren't that the so what I just said? For, so no, but so for who? For Spider-Man, for Iron Man, for any of your characters. So the stakes for 
Vulture. Well, so is, this is he's where trying we... to provide for his family. family. Yeah. Okay. This is I where we that. go back to the John Hughes thing, though, because again, this isn't uh, this isn't a typical universe mm-hmm. in peril Marvel movie. This <laughs> is a, a teenage kind of coming of age story. So the stakes are what's happening in Peter's life, and yeah. how is he coping with. Uh, with getting Tony's approval? How is he coping with the girl at school? How is he dealing with all this stuff? So the stakes are very personal and small. And it's not the same as, you know, when Tony is trying to stop terrorists from setting off a nuke or whatever it was. I I don't don't remember. And I get that, but as I'm sitting in the movie theater... I'm not sure you do. (laughs) As I'm sitting in the movie theater, I don't empathize with that at all. So I don't have an emotional connection to what Peter's going through okay because i feel like it didn't make a lot of sense i get that he's got this crush on this girl and he's trying to balance things as any kid does i think everybody goes through that struggle okay um but i just feel like it was really not well well defined i guess or well played out as far as he's his ultimate goal is to join the Avengers, right? Right. Right. So, I don't know. I just, like I said, I so don't... So that wasn't enough for you? No. Okay. Like... I, I feel like I'm watching the wheels turn in Ryan's head. You, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I, feel, I see something behind the eyes. I don't feel like... Or is that just the 1812 overture going in your head? No, no. I, and I'm, maybe, I'm processing this. And... Maybe it's because... And I'm not saying that I want another origin story, because... We don't need that for Spider-Man. It was there. It was there. The, the what do you mean the, the Uncle Ben so, thing? So for with the exception of the Uncle Ben, like mm-hmm. being you know watching Uncle Ben die, I actually really appreciated that for those who by some miracle in their life are unaware of the Spider-Man origin story because <laughs> you're required to know that one and Batman's. And you're not... Right. Yeah, it's 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 breastfed to you as an American baby. Yeah, yeah. It, it was there in Peter explaining to his friend Ned how, once he discovered who he was, like, how everything happened. In his in the montage of him asking questions, yeah, oh, so you were bit by a radioactive mm-hmm. spider? Did the spider die? Don't. Yeah. And so they did a great job of saying, here's all the information you need to know in this little montage. But we're not going to beat you over the head by like showing you Peter getting bit by the spider, watching Uncle Ben yeah. get killed, you know. And I appreciated the fact that it was there, so that the movie could stand on its own for the most part uh, with the Spider-Man mythos, but not be yet yeah, not beat us over the head with things we'd already seen, like watching Martha Kent and. Uh, but what do you, so? What do you say to Kyle's um, "What are the stakes?" question? Um, I can I can understand. A little bit of what Kyle's saying, but at the same time, for me, the my connection to Peter Parker, to Spider-Man there, and, and the stakes, it has nothing to do with joining the Avengers. I mean, it's wanting to be part of something bigger and feeling that you're capable of more than what you are currently being asked to give and being ignored in the process. I have felt those feelings, and so for me, the stakes are, am I ever going to be recognized for the skill that I have? I mean, that's for what I can mm-hmm. do. And to me, like, that's that's a very personal th- way that I can connect. And I, I don't know that everyone can connect that way. Uh, but for me, I have no problem with the stakes of this because the, the biggest problem I have with the stakes of it is knowing that in these films, he's going to get it. Like, he's going to yeah. figure it out. He's going to right. get there. Um, 
and I appreciated, spoiler, um, the fact that at the end he walked away. Like, mm-hmm. Cookie Cutter, you know he's he's got to because he also has to kind of hold off until they finish up with Infinity War before he can play his larger role. Um, but I appreciated that, that he could take the time to kind of go be the lower key and realizing that he's got growth uh, to go to go through still. Um, so I, I didn't really have a problem with the stakes. I think I think for me the problem is is I have a hard time making an emotional connection to this Spider-Man because I don't care about him because not, like I said I'm not saying that we need an origin story because we all know the logistics of how he became Spider-Man and whatever mm-hmm. but who is the MCU's version of Spider-Man who is he like who is Peter Parker in this universe mm-hmm. and it's just kind of thrown out there and I don't care really about him. And I feel like... You know what, Kyle? No, We don't care about you. Well, I mean, that's cool. That's why I'm only here half the time. (laughs) No, sorry, go Um, on. No, I just... I feel like the stakes for me would have been him, like, coping with, does he want to be Spider-Man? Does he not? Because he's got this whole... um, He's he's got a... he, He wants to be part of the Avengers. He wants to be part of something bigger. I think we'll get to that. We'll get there. But so he has so to, it just fell flat for me as far as like from that like emotional there was there, right. I didn't feel like there were any emotional stakes and I kept thinking to myself like the one stake that I could think of like what if Peter doesn't stop the vulture what if you know what you know like you said they've shrunken it down so it's like the world's not at stake we don't need a sky beam and aliens coming through some hole or whatever but if Peter doesn't win essentially if he doesn't defeat vulture or if he doesn't decide to be Spider-Man and do his thing, what are the stakes? And the thing I kept coming back to was Happy Hogan's going to get fired because he let all that stuff go. And like, that was the only thing I could think of. And so, like, <laughs> I just feel like they... Because I, I get what you guys are saying, and I, and I think that it's trying to be a more human story with him trying to balance his life. I just don't think it was successful for you just, me. You don't like humans. I can, no. And I can buy into that mostly and i think like i said we're going to get there this you're right the stakes aren't high enough to be there yet Mm -hmm. the thing is though for him to decide whether or not he wants to be spider-man it's right now the novelty of i I can do these cool things i'm a kid who can do these things you know is is still there when he actually loses someone when he loses something and that's bigger than you know it's it's something when when we have the gwen stacy being killed type Mm -hmm. thing we have that moment in spider-man's story then he can make the decision the same way that you know we go back to i think it's iron probably iron man 3 where he realizes that it doesn't matter about the suit mm-hmm. we get a very condensed version very compact small microcosms of this in this film what happens when spider-man fails and can't beat him the staten ferry section mm-hmm. like that's what happens i'm 98 successful and it's not good enough mm-hmm. what ends up happening well because the stakes are so much lower, he's got this training wheels protocol thing. I'm not talking about the suit, but just I as a general thing. I have opinions about that. <laughs> like, <laughs> because, he, because he is still on a smaller scale working mm-hmm. against these things, the it is a lower-end payoff or a lower-end uh, problems when that happens. Because Iron Man comes in and reams into him. What if someone had died? What if something had happened here? Um and until we get to the point mm-hmm. where someone does die or something there, we can't quite get to the I think, that piece there. And I think, and I agree. And I wouldn't put a 15-year-old through that. No, and I agree movie. with what you're saying, and I think that's where it falls flat for me. And 
Lord knows I don't want another Uncle Ben scene. <laughs> but I think that that's where this one doesn't work. How else because... are we going to get the with great power comes great responsibility <laughs> But you know, that's where it falls flat is because that is the emotional trigger for Peter Parker. He's had somebody that he's lost. Mm-hmm. And he had to deal with that very recently. Um, and if you follow... I mean, if you're, if you're going off the Tobey Maguire version or the... Or the Andrew Garfield version, it's because he was out trying to do things with these new powers, and he didn't didn't take action when he could have, and so there isn't that emotional baseline to start from this movie, and you should obviously bring that to the theater with you, but it doesn't complete this story, or it doesn't it doesn't give me that emotional baseline going forward, and I think that's where it fell flat, and I don't know how to fix that without doing another Uncle Ben scene, and I don't want that, so I appreciate the way that they handled the origin, but mm-hmm. I do think that that is probably one of the negative effects of having to skip over that. And it's not necessarily Marvel's fault, because there were two other Spider-Man origin stories in the last ten years, and so mm-hmm. please don't give us that again, but it does hurt this movie a little bit, I think. I disagree. That's fine. And that's extended. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I disagree. In Thanks this. for joining us on the Legendary Podcast. I, I disagree in this sense. I mean, the the emotional impact wasn't at the very beginning in the origin story, but it was there in the middle, and I I thought that was very impactful when when he's ninety eight percent successful and Tony Stark comes and he says, you know, what if people had died? You were irresponsible. This was reckless. This was stupid. You're not ready for this. And he said, leave it all to a hypothetical. Well, though. and. It, it doesn't leave it to a hypothetical I mean, because he's 40 years old and he's been through what he's been through. He, yeah, but, but it, for it's, Spider-Man. It leaves it uh, hypothetical for him because he's 15. I mean, but Dad has been through that. And, Spider- and, and Tony Stark is really his surrogate dad in this uh, for mm-hmm. his father figure. I mean, Dad has been through this. 15-year-old kid has not been through this. It's the same with us, you know. 15 well, but year theoretically old he should have been through it because... I mean, even though we didn't see the scene, right. his uncle well, Ben did just die. That That's fine. So. I mean, but... It, but we don't we don't have that going. But so the emotional impact is still there when, especially when he says, "Well, you don't even care enough about me to be here," and he steps out of the soup. You know, mm-hmm. all of a sudden he's like, "Look, here I am. Look, I'm serious. I know what's going on, and you are not ready for this." And, and that's the emotional. I, I think that's the emotional hammer in this movie. And I think where it was in the movie was was it, it worked for me anyway. It works. It works in the moment for the show in there. I really want to know Kyle's. Um, Beef with the training wheels protocol. <laughs> yes. So the I actually like the idea of the training wheels protocol. Um, it goes back to my point of why is everybody a freaking tech genius in this in this universe? A 15 year old kid can hack into a piece of Stark industry equipment and take off a training wheels protocol that Tony Stark has put on there. Uh, in, in fairness, I, they are the uh, high school of science and technology. Yeah, and they're the national. On that one. Yeah. They're the national uh, academic. Decathlon Decathlon champions. Champions. And, and they magically know exactly where the tracker is when they open up that suit. Yes. They know exactly what it is. They know how to hack into isn't that, it. Isn't that how now, to override? Look, look, I'm not <laughs> I'm not a comics guy, but my understanding of the Spider-Man universe is that Peter Parker is in fact a tech genius. Yes. Well, okay. he designed his web shooters. Well, he in this he didn't define. So this, so if but, he's the tech genius, he's begging his buddy in the chair to hack into the system and change it because he sits there for yeah the says, because his buddy it. his buddy but, in the chair is chubbier than he is and therefore smarter <laughs> so according not, to the eternal laws of movies right even if he is a tech genius he's not tony stark so yeah yeah i 
I'll grant you that one. <laughs> <laughs> that one you, kid genius or not, Tony Stark is still smarter than you. Yeah. And the security measures, I would imagine that if Tony Stark was to give a suit to a genius kid, he would know this genius kid may be able to figure out this suit. Um, I also can't imagine that he didn't have some sort of... If he's if he's gone through the trouble to create a training wheels protocol, there's got to be some sort of iPhone notification that comes up for Tony Stark when, hey, somebody's hacking into your system. Yeah. So, yeah. nice try, I'm with, you. I'm with you on that. <laughs> but, uh, okay, so anyway... <laughs> After all that, I I want to I want to reel it back. I did in. like the movie though. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, after all this, I let, yeah, let's talk about some of the small things in the movie, um, and and then we can get back into crapping all over, you know, Kyle and Ryan flinging feces across the room at each other. <laughs> hold um, on, hold on, I got I got one point. I need to. I, are you serious? It should be noted that I'm this wearing is, a Spider-Man shirt right now. So. I I want to go back just a step. And I want to talk about this because this point has bothered me, and I, it's taken me a while to kind of formulate my thoughts on it. And it's <laughs> this had better be good then. That okay. was when the William Tell overture was going off. Um, no, it's the this idea that people are talking about. Are you fatigued with the superhero movie? Are you tired of of this? Is it getting too cookie cutter? Is it too? Yes, but why does it matter? In the sense that has anyone called for the end of romantic comedies? Is anyone called for the end of like every genre that has been around for any duration of time has a formula, mm-hmm. but people <clears throat> we write off and we say you know I give my my wife and her and my mother-in-law and my all, most of the women in my life um, a lot of crap because they watch Hallmark Hallmark Channel. You can write a Hallmark movie in An about afternoon. thirty minutes. <laughs> Just I my favorite was I watched someone write a Hallmark script. It was. Um, Boy, work. Girl, work. Boy hates Christmas. Girl loves Christmas. They meet. They hate each other. They have an event. They love each other. They have a, another event. They are question each other. They get married. You know, they kiss, they fall in love. Like, that's a Hallmark movie. Yeah. But no one's calling, people aren't calling for the end of it other than me. Um, <laughs> you know, it's not, oh, we, I can't wait till these superhero movies go away. They're not going to go away because it's a new genre that mm-hmm. has an almost... How indefinite amount of material because people keep writing comic books and you can come back and well and even if they stopped lines. even if they stopped there is now like you say there is the the comic book movie mm-hmm. and it is it has taken on a life of its own and you know like it or not it's going like you say it's going to continue so yeah. i i think comic books can and you know who knows uh, nobody has a crystal ball let's say comic books just kind of die out in the next 20 or 30 years but comic book movies could continue after um, that and there's no problem with that it, it's conceivable that it could happen that comic book movies could die out but the, the same kind of format will not die out i mean who was it was it todd that said these are the aesop's fables basically of our day I mean, it, it's the same kind of hero's journey Todd, story. Todd is very old, by the way. For well, those he was of you, there, he was there when Aesop's. Aesop's. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> wrote the fables. If you want a really, a really well done and funny version of this, go watch the honest trailer for Doctor Strange. Yeah. Because the whole intro is basically, <laughs> if you want Iron Man but small, like watch Ant-Man. If you want Iron Man on weed, go watch <laughs> Doctor Strange. They're basically taking Iron Man and they're just re, you know, spinning it back mm-hmm. out. And there's nothing wrong with that. I feel like 
I'm still going to go pay my $10 and go see the movie every time a Marvel movie comes out. I, I love them. Um, that doesn't mean I can't be critical of them, yeah. but I, I, I'm with you. I think for me, the fatigue is other than Loki, Loki name a decent villain in the Marvel, Marvel cinematic universe or any comic book movie villain. Well, if we get out of the MCU, everybody loved Doc Ock back in the day. Oh, come on. I, you you I did, did too. Yes, you did. I did not, actually. So, I liked Doc Ock <clears throat> until until the movie actually happened. Well, anyway. And that's not to say, because again, we talked a little but, bit about but Michael, your, your Michael, point... Keaton, Michael Keaton's performance was great, but the point is, their villains fall very flat. They're very generic. They're very predictable. Okay. And I would like... I was actually really happy with the Mandarin in Iron Man 3 and the whole spin of making him this mm-hmm. fake villain and then going with Guy Pierce's I hated it. Uh, whatever his name was was a super like big bummer for me because I was like, oh, this is where the villain is actually going to be something different for once. Mm-hmm. And it was. It was different, but they ruined it and then they basically made it to this generic villain. Yeah, I think. And uh, yeah. Marvel, they, they suffer from one thing with their villains, and that is that they they are not allowed to let their villains win. You yeah. end a Marvel movie with a villain winning. So right. you're, you're saying like you can't have an Empire Strikes Back in the MCU? Right, unless it's a very low-end character, in which case the stakes don't matter. Like if Vulture had beaten Spider-Man, like it's not a well, huge... Spider-Man's a pretty big... But I, I take you I see your point. Yes. But I mean, if Loki wins, Earth is destroyed. If Ultron wins, Earth is destroyed. If <laughs> you can't let the villains win, and you have to in order to make I think to make a compelling villain, you know, at a certain point we need to be able to see what looks like what victory looks like for them, and let them deal with the ramifications of getting what they want. Mm-hmm. I I agree with you in the sense that you have to to see the villain win, you have to make the hero very small or you have to make the villain very, very big, and that's why I think with Thanos coming up, we could we could get a glimpse of what does it look like when the villain wins. Well, we're in the, so, the Infinity War first movie will be basically it'll end on Thanos. It'll basically winning. Be, yeah, Thanos. And I can that's when Iron Man will die. Yeah, yeah. And I can appreciate in this movie in Spider Man that at least it's not a villain that has the same powers as the hero, because that has been a really bad just you know, re-spinning out. You've got yeah. Iron Man, and they just make a different type of super Iron Man suit. Or you've got, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, every other villain you think of, they've got the same power. When you look at Hulk, and you've got Abomination, or Captain America and Red Skull, they just, they try to become a super soldier, yeah. you know? So it's like Ant-Man and what's going to have an even playing yeah, field between it's, our villain and It's our the villain. same yeah. superpower. One uses it for good, and one uses it for evil. It just, there's there's too much... Which, can I tell you, yeah. that's why I love so much the Unbreakable storyline, mm-hmm. because your hero and your villain are the opposites of each other, like un- Unbreakable versus Shatters on... You're talking mm-hmm. about the M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because it's a comic book superhero mm-hmm. story, right. Right. not in the Marvel Cinematic Universe or anything, but I agree. Um, and every current superhero st- uh, series is, is suffering from this. Because in the DC universe, it's the same thing. Superman took on um, Zod, you know, another mm. Kryptonian thing. Um, he fights Batman, which is 
I'm not even going to touch that one. <laughs> the Flash TV series, the main villain in every series up to this point has been another every speedster. Season, yeah. If you watched Arrow, for some reason, everybody in that city can use a bow and arrow. They all have yeah. arrows. Um, yeah, and even in Wonder Woman, um, you know, she is this goddess and then ends up having to fight Ares, this god, and it's the same, same thing. Funny yeah. you should bring yeah. that up. I wondered if we might talk about Wonder Woman today. Maybe before we leave Spider-Man, though, we just give final thoughts and whether you whether you recommend it and to whom. I think we all liked it, except for Kyle, who obviously hates it and all living things. Um, no, but Kyle, Kyle, final thoughts. Spider-Man. Um, I actually, like I said, I really liked it. Going out, leaving the movie, it was enjoyable. There was a lot of things. I found myself laughing out loud several times in the theater. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. Um, I think that Spider-Man 2 is still my favorite Spider-Man movie. Um, but I really like this one. I don't feel like... Well, I feel like Marvel has missed an opportunity to push their larger story arc forward in both this and Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Um because Thanos has just been sitting in the background for, like, a year, and we haven't uh, heard. A year? How about, like, three? Well, I mean, well, yeah, I guess Thanos himself, but I guess Doctor Strange did in, in oh, introduce a new Infinity Stone, at least. Mm-hmm. But we have nothing since then, so I'm, I'm curious how they're going to bring that back together before Infinity War. I'm sure it, Thor Ragnarok will Ragnar- Ragnar- talk Ragnar- a little bit about right. that, but... It feels like it's been left on the back burner, and so I kind of don't care about it right now. I do feel like um, we're in the, going back to our Wheel of Time things here, we're in kind of this churning, like prepping the storm to move forward, and it's got to pick up some momentum. And so, yeah, they've left a lot of Thanos storyline. they left a lot of things back here, and they're kind of like, okay, we got to set this up and build this. we got to get this squared away before we can actually, you know, mm-hmm. really push the ball down the down the hill. Yeah. Ryan, and final... Uh, can I just my one last thing? Oh, okay. The Iron Spider suit was dope. Yeah. Yeah. If only he'd actually put it on. Mm -hmm. That was one of those things. You're going to see this. (laughs) You'll see this in a couple movies. Yeah. Yeah, Foreshadowing. Okay. Ryan, final thoughts? Um, To the seven people in the world who are currently questioning whether or not you are going to go see this, you you know whether you're going to see this or not. Um, If you liked Breakfast Club, go see this movie. Really? I didn't think it was that similar. No, I'm connecting there. It's... You're not gonna, yeah. You're not gonna. You're not gonna walk out of the theater going, "Well, that was a waste of money." It's it's an enjoyable movie, regardless of your current affiliations. And if you hate the superhero genre and you're done with it and you're not gonna go see it anyway, you wouldn't be listening to me anyway. <laughs> Ken, um, it might be a little bit of recency bias, but I loved this movie as a Spider-Man movie. It's my favorite one of all of the six that have been released in the last 15 years. All right. So I will I will say um, and I don't want to belabor this too much. The one thing I hate, and it is just a little thing, but there in the in the uh, end credit scene when when uh, he's he's putting on the Spider-Man suit and and Aunt May walks in and drops a what the and this Marvel slowly acclimating everybody to the dropping of the f bomb. The last I mean in this movie in Guardians two in Luke Cage just. Why? Why do you have to? I realize Deadpool was was wildly successful. Logan was great. Everybody loves them. Ken, I'll, I'll tell you why. Okay, I'm no prude. I listen to people yes, swear. Yes, you I are. Don't, Ken, I don't need to Ken, swear. stop. No. Stop talking no. for just a sec. And say the word sex. Sex. <laughs> you can't say it with a straight face. 
It's no big deal. Okay, so... Can, I had it yesterday. I just want to point out that you don't use that particular word. But I don't. Guess what? 98% of the rest of the population does. Yeah, and 75% of their viewing population is under the age of 17. I mean... Yeah. And hearing it at school. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to condone that. And they that are hearing it at school, but... And, it doesn't need to be... It, you know what, Ken? It was funny. It was funny. It was I funny. laughed. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. But it doesn't need... It's unnecessary, is yeah, what I'm saying. It just doesn't need to be done. So... That's fine. That's me. Yeah, okay. A very You're odd perspective from someone, who think, from someone whose political leanings are, get out of... Don't don't regulate my, my morality. I'm not saying <laughs> don't do it. I'm not saying government should not have them do it. And I'm not saying that I want them to stop. Well, I, actually, I'm, I'm saying they don't... I can't believe we... I, just, I can't believe we but, just spent the last three minutes on... The not F-bomb at the end of the movie. That's what I can't believe right yeah, now. Well. Uh, okay, so my final thought on anyway. Spider-Man is that uh, this was the only one of the six Spider-Man movies during which I never felt bored. There was never a lull. Now, and, and, and there's a lot going on as far as his relationships with all these different characters, whether it's Aunt May or Tony Stark or the best friend or the girlfriend or whoever... There's all these relationships going on, and they're constantly bouncing between them, and at no point did I ever feel like, ugh, I don't want to hear about this again. There was never a lull. And the ultimate point of this, uh, the, the genius of their pacing came, I think, in the uh, conclusion, when most superhero movies start to fall a little bit flat for me, is in that giant confrontation, like in Wonder Woman, we'll, we're about to talk about a little bit, um, there's that massive confrontation and there's all the explosions and energy beams and gods smashing each other into the pavement or whatever uh and in this one he goes after the jet and then the jet crashes and they kind of punch each other once or twice and then it's over and the whole sequence takes you know six or seven minutes versus this huge 25 minute destroy the entire city sequence yeah. Uh, I felt like they handled the pacing of this movie, and especially that final climactic scene, really well. They didn't try to do too much with at, at any point in the movie, if that makes sense. So, uh, congratulations to Marvel on not, not screwing you. on not screwing up a movie like you never, almost never do, and for not boring me exactly. Uh, Which Marvel movie is it that you don't like? Um, Thor, Thor, Thor Dark World. Dark World yeah. was pretty bad. Um, I mean, the Hulk movies were awful. Like, truly awful. Only one counts, though. Well, that's true. Um, but and it was awful. What, uh, Iron Man 2 was one of the worst pieces of uh, cinema ever committed to film. Alright. I, I just haven't been in on that conversation of which yeah. ones you... Dark World and Iron Man 2 are, are by yeah, far the worst. Um, and I actually hated... I hated Avengers 2. Um... Yeah, I thought it was bad. Oh, oh, uh, Captain America, th uh, no, Civil War. Yeah, Cap, Cap Three. Oh yeah. So I, I thought, I thought Civil War was pretty, pretty bad. So oh, yeah. anyway, but I, I thought this was pretty darn cool. good. Uh, now, contrasting the Marvel Cinematic Universe is the DC Cinematic Universe. Contrasting up till now. Well, yeah, pretty well, much. Exception so, or rule, though. Well, that's what we'll find out. So we've all also seen Wonder Woman. 
and I was just curious. We only have about five minutes to talk about it, but uh, give me give me your <laughs> elevator speech. What's the extended version? What's yeah. the most important thing that you want to say about the Wonder Woman movie? Uh, it, does, does anybody have something yet? It was optimistic. It was hopeful. And every single DC movie has been dark and dreary, and their heroes have been tortured and conflicted, and it just left you, after two and a half hours, feeling like you wanted to pitch yourself off a bridge or something. And Wonder Woman was just, it was not. It was optimistic. It felt like there was something worth fighting for. It felt like there was... Something Girl worth, worth fighting for. Sorry, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, that that was my that was when I left the theater. That was the first thing I thought of. It, it was optimistic. It might not have left like necessarily happy, but okay, all right. But it was lighter. I think I can get on board with that assessment. Kyle, Ryan, do you guys have anything you want to say about Wonder Woman? Time I want to say. I would say that a lot too. Even I even more than <laughs> Um, we could do we another episode. No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna extend oh. this episode very much. Uh, so if we want to do a whole other episode, we should have talked about that beforehand. But uh, we could. We we really should. This movie deserves to be discussed. It, do you think at so? At least, it, even if it's a mini-sode of like 30 minutes or so. So what? Okay, then just give me uh, give me your final thoughts on Wonder Woman. I will tell you what. I'll give you my teasers to why you should listen to our our next one. Um, I'm going to give you the unpopular belief that I have with this movie. This is a better Steve Trevor movie than it is a Wonder Woman movie. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. All right. Kyle? Um, Final thoughts on Wonder Woman? I love this. Final thoughts on Wonder Woman. Um, I enjoyed it. I feel like after she left the island of... It sounds like they're saying the mas- the mascara oh, all yeah. the time, which I was like an island of women called the mascara. <laughs> um, but yeah, after she left the island, I felt like it started to fall a little bit flat um, because I felt like they basically took Captain America and Thor and mashed them into one movie, and then that's what it was. I really liked how it started. I really think Wonder Woman is badass. Um, wasn't a fan of the narrative after they left after she left the island. Okay, okay. Um, and I'm trying to think of, of what my what my my elevator pitch for this movie or like what my final thought on this would probably be Wonder Woman is overrated. Now, that does not mean that Wonder Woman was not a really good movie. It was really really good, but there was this kind of weird uh, pop culture orgasm that happened after Wonder Woman came out. The novelty was, of this movie, it was yeah. directed by a woman about a woman, like, and you know, the DC finally made a good movie. There's a handful of things that had just hadn't been done before that all right. of a sudden. And so well, they're all true. It was the DC made just a good movie that got were amped up too much. Right, right. So anyway, that's that's kind of how I've described this movie to other people. And so we can get more into that. I think we should do another episode, not next week, because so help me, we need to do Wheel of Time. Wheel of Time. It's been too long already, and uh, but we've dealt with taint. Oh boy, yes, our our taints are. Never mind. You know no, what? Let's no, let's just no. not even go there anymore. Not in this episode. I'll I'll save my taint jokes for next week, and uh, we will. So we'll leave it there and do Wonder Woman episode later. Um. All right. So thank you everybody for listening, 
And uh, I'll remind you once again, patreon.com slash legendarium. Please go there and support the show. I am just putting together the care packages for our uh, $5 patrons. That's $5 per episode gets you a, uh, a care package, I, I think about three times a year is what we're going for. And the guys at the table are all sitting staring at all this stuff that I've been gathering. I've been ordering all sorts of legendary merchandise. And uh, I also just ordered 15 paperbacks, 15 of the same book. Uh, and it's a, a fantasy novel that we're going to send out to everybody and we'll put a little note in there for you. It'll be the, the Legendarium Edition. I won't tell you what the book is, uh, but suffice it to say that it's a ton of fun. You're almost guaranteed to like it if you haven't read it, and I don't think it's terribly widely read these days, and so there's a good chance that you have not read this one. Uh, so if you are already a $5 patron, get uh, looking forward to those, and if you are not, then consider uh, joining up at patreon.com slash legendarium. And you can also just give as little as a buck uh, just to make us and yourself feel good. Uh, you can give three bucks, and there are several behind-the-scenes uh, pieces of audio that we keep on Patreon that you can go listen to, just kind of us uh, yakking before we fire up the microphones for the actual episode. Which makes the legendarium barf bags all that much. Exactly. Yes, we have legendarium barf bags now, everybody. Uh, anyway, we will talk to you all next week for Wheel of Time, and then at some point, maybe in two weeks, for Wonder Woman, we'll see. And uh, we'll see you all then. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good one. Have a good one.